Father, your sole desire was to carry out the Father's will. And so we remember, as you have said to us to remember, we remember your death. We remember your body on the cross. We remember the mocking. We remember the cheering. We remember the infliction of pain. But we're so thankful this morning that it's all because of us. It's only because of us that you died on the cross. Father, accept our thanks this morning, we pray thee. Verse 20 in Luke reads like this. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Read back. The second layer we should get to the juice. And we'll pray again. Father, again, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he bridged the gap the gap between us and heaven, the gap between us and your throne, the gap that separated us was now bridged. Father, we thank you for the blood. The shedding of your blood gives us remission from our sins. We thank you that as we sang, we will gather around the throne one day and worship you in a way that we can only imagine here on earth. That we'll give you the honor and glory that is due unto your name. And so this morning we give thanks for the blood that was shed. For every single droplet of blood we give thanks to you. Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you done, what you did on the cross. Just accept our thanks, Lord, for this, this little gift of blood. Amen. Father, give me just thank you for allowing us these few moments on a Sunday morning to gather into your house allowing us to worship you in spirit and in truth Father we thank you for this hour, we thank you for this time when we can lay the burdens and the concerns of the week behind us outside the door, when we can come in here and dwell in your presence Lord we thank you for your anointing on this house, we thank you for the blessing we feel as we worship you and we pray for the remainder of this time, Lord, that you will indeed bless our pastor. Give him words from yourself. Lord, let it be an encouragement to our souls. Feed our souls. Let us see a new vision of you. Lord, let us go out the door rejoicing in the knowledge of sin forgiven. Let us lead, live a week that is on a different plane than we've ever felt before. Lord, draw us closer. In your name, amen. Church, if you'd all like to stand to your feet, let's worship. I fix my eyes upon the cross, reaching out with all I've got. I'm letting go to start again. I need your
let us just stay in this attitude of worship. Just praying last night and praying this morning for church today and for what was going on in the service. Uh, I was reminded of the many battles that different people in the church are facing at the moment, different challenges and difficulties. And as I looked at the song list for today, last night, just to sing this song, You Are Greater Than It All. And it's not just the truth of the song, it's the truth of the song that's taken from the truth of the word. Because I felt God direct me to Romans 8, verse 31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But he gives this reason. It's Easter. Hope is what represents Easter. He says in the next verse, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is at work, he has a bigger plan in your life. He's greater than anything you are facing at the moment. The challenges, the difficulties, those things that you think, I really can't find an answer for this at the moment. The truth of his word is, if God is on our side, if he is for us, who or what can be against us? Well, God, what is the example? How can you prove that, God? I gave up my son for you. I gave up my son for you. Thought we might get a better response than that. I gave up my son for you. It's a promise of his word that we sing in the truth of the song because he really is greater than anything we're facing. And we want to do this this morning. We just want to continue just in this attitude of worship. But we do want to pray for some people. And so if you would like prayer this morning because you are facing something impossible, you are facing a difficulty or a challenge or something you think, I do not know where the answer is coming from. I can tell you where the answer is coming from. He is for you today. And we just simply want to do this as a team continue to play. We would just like to invite you out to the front and the elders would just want to pray for you. We haven't done this in a while, but we need to do this. It says, my sermon can wait. Wasn't that good this morning anyway, but my sermon... <laughs> simply because we believe God is at work. So listen, we invite you to come out the front now, please. Don't be shy. Come on out. Move to the front as we come and pray. Invite the elders to come up. Listen, God is for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself graciously for us all. This is the reason. This is why. As we come and pray church you stretch out your arms and pray for these people continue to worship continue to believe on their behalf as we come to pray for them and believe that God is going to do a work in their life let's come and pray elders hallelujah hallelujah yes Lord
Good morning. Thank you for being here. I think all the kids have gone out already, but if they haven't, then if you want to head to the back, then Kids Space is on. Just a couple of announcements very quickly. Um, there is no Tuesday night meeting this week. Uh, no Tuesday night meeting because we are having a special Good Friday service called the Power of the Cross uh, that's on on Friday night. Uh, at 7.30, it lasts for an hour, and everyone is invited. Uh, what we do with the, the, our Good Friday service, we've only started doing it in recent years. It's one hour long, we come, we have some worship, uh, we break bread together, uh, we come to reflect and remember uh, what Christ Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And then we finish with uh, the young man speaking on Friday night, Evan Thompson is going to be speaking no pressure there son you'll find that if you announce a speaker I can't talk the way out of it then so uh, do that so we're looking forward to that so please come along kids space is on uh, on friday night so bring your kids as well and we'll throw them into the kids space room and fill them with chocolate and sugar and everything ready for going home and stuff so bring them down on friday evening now uh, on tuesday night and wednesday night we're going to be having a couple of work parties uh, we want to clear clear out clean out tidy up the church get rid of uh, all the rubbish and stuff so we're looking for people to come and help so if you're free some people have put their names down already uh, 6.30 on Tuesday night or 6.30 on Wednesday night you can come to one of them you can come to both of them uh, we'll provide the tea and biscuits you don't have to worry about that uh, but then if you would like to come and help us then do that and finally tonight's service you know we are doing a sermon series at the moment the journey to the cross uh, this morning we're doing uh, this morning we're doing the preparation uh, boys at the back if you could put the preparation uh, on please uh, we're doing the preparation and tonight we're doing the punishment uh, on the journey of the cross so we're doing what we did similar uh, to last week uh, whereby we've invited uh, somebody to come and share just five minutes just on what the cross means to them uh, so uh, tonight we're delighted that Sam Clark is going to be sharing uh, this evening so we are looking we are looking we are looking forward uh, to that as he comes and shares tonight so come along to church this evening let's just take a moment to pray father we come before you we thank you that we are in your house with your people worshiping you father there is a power in the gathering of your people as they come to worship to break bread to hear your word and father we thank you even as we've just ministered then father god even if you ministered into people's lives the, the father god we're so thankful for the work that you're doing not just in our church but in the lives of individuals father would you take a look at these subjects father we know we're drawn to the wonderful message of the cross and the hope that there is and so we pray father for your word because it's a living word and we just simply ask that you would help us in jesus name amen we are looking in part three because last week we began our easter series the journey to the cross by looking at the purpose and the person of the cross because we wanted to take a month just to really help us to reflect and to look upon what christ jesus had done for each and every one of us 
So as I said, we come this morning to the preparation. Uh, we come to the part of the journey that people would refer to as Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It is the Sunday before we would call Easter Sunday. It is the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. This is the final week of Jesus' earthly life, a combination of events that would lead to his crucifixion and his resurrection. When we read the Gospels, and this story is in all four Gospels, uh, as is a lot of the story of the journey to the cross that Jesus makes. And there is a lot of things that we pull out of these. Uh, uh, there's a lot of fulfillment of prophecy. There's a lot of stuff that has been spoken of already. Uh, and simply it's important for us. And I, I got this image because of my hobby. Uh, I have one hobby, Lego, which you know I quite enjoy the old Lego. But I love doing jigsaws as well. I love doing jigsaws. Getting a bit older. I like to put the slippers on, sit at the table with a cup of tea. And just to be left alone. And just have a jigsaw. And when you get a jigsaw, you get all those individual pieces in the bag, and then you get a picture of what it is that you're trying to put together. Uh, the Easter story is very similar uh, to that illustration of the jigsaw. It cannot explain it just with one piece. It takes a collection of pieces that are put together, and then you see the full picture. The Old Testament contains over 300 prophecies, about a future Messiah, a saviour anointed by God to deliver his people from oppression. And the New Testament here, it trumpets the fulfilment of those prophecies simply through the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. There is everything about his aspect of his story, sorry, everything about the aspects of his story that simply fit together perfectly to tell us who he is, what he has come to do, on what God's plan has been from the beginning. There is no chance with this, there is no luck with this, there is no coincidence with this. It's simply a collection of pieces that are put together to explain what Christ has come to do. Alistair Begg says this, he says, we find Christ in all the scriptures. In the Old Testament he is predicted, in the Gospels he is revealed, in Acts he is preached, in the epistles he is explained and in Revelation he is expected. We as Christians need to be familiar with, as much with the Old Testament to understand what goes on in the New Testament. Where there's no such thing as being New Testament Christians. The, the only thing we need is Matthew to Revelation. We must go back to the Old Testament and to appreciate the reality and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In the story that we're going to read, which we're going to take from John chapter 12, uh, of what we call Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry, let me give the context because within the last few days as Jesus enters Jerusalem, uh, he's raised Lazarus from the dead, which is a pretty big thing, raising somebody from the dead, I would say. And Lazarus was from a town very close to Jerusalem. In response to this, many of the people had actually not, not come to see who Jesus was, but they'd come to see what had happened to Lazarus. Because everybody had heard that he had died, he'd been buried, been put in a tomb. And yet this man, Jesus Christ, comes along and by his power he raises Lazarus from the dead. And so this obviously caused quite a bit of stir. 
You could imagine at that time, without the power of social media, Sky News or anything else, so just by word of mouth, people were intrigued, people were interested, people were stunned to go and find out what had actually happened. But to throw in the context of the story as well, before we read it, that it is also the Passover as well. This is a significant event in the Jewish calendar because all the pilgrims, the travellers, the Jews, all travel to Jerusalem to observe this feast day because they're coming to celebrate God's uh, miraculous deliverance for them from Egypt. But God has a bigger plan and so this point Jesus has been relatively quiet about his mission. He's actually simply told people almost to be quiet simply because now's not the time to reveal this. But this is coming now as he enters into Jerusalem, riding into the city on the donkey. And we're just simply going to look at the short time that we have of what does all that mean in the journey of preparation to the cross? And how does that help us today? Because there were lots of different groups that were at work here. There wasn't just Jesus with the plan of going on the journey of his final week to the cross. It was where do the disciples fit in with all of this? Where do the local religious leaders fit in with all of this? Where do, where do the Romans fit in with all of this? Where is the Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled, fit in with all of this? Uh, and so in John chapter 12, it says this, it says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see this is getting us nowhere, look how the whole world has gone after him. The question I suppose when you're looking at this story in all the four Gospels is what sort of Jesus were people expecting? Because some people were expecting a Messiah, they were expecting uh, the chosen one, the one that was coming to save the people. But there were also ones that were coming that expecting a military leader. Because the Romans had simply invaded the land and occupied the land and they were looking for, in a sense, that Messiah to come and to be the one to deliver the people. Some people were looking for the, the man to be a saviour, of which he was. That they were looking for that fulfilment of prophecy in the Old Testament that he was coming to save people from their sins. As I said already, they were looking uh, politically. So there's all the different aspects that people look at and say, what sort of Jesus is turning up on this day? And it's a challenge for us in the modern day context because lots of people have a different view of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what he means to them. And it's important that we get that right image, that right perspective, that right figure in our mind of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. The Gospel of John was written uh, to compile evidence that Jesus was simply the Son of God sent by God. And there are the miracles that Jesus performs in the Gospel of John, of which he performs seven focuses on, on, on these signs of the Gospel, in a sense. 
no more so than the seventh and the final one, that no coincidence or chance that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and our Lazarus would come and he would die in, again. He would, you know, he would, he'd come back to life, but he would die again. Jesus uses that story, the final miracle, to say, I am the resurrection and the life. Almost to declare it over everybody that he wasn't coming almost as any of those, as the political, the military leader, and that he was coming as the saviour, as the Messiah. That those people that were standing there on that journey that day, and all were struck by this. This is why you should never listen to people sometimes who, who, who sort of praise you and blow you up and stuff, because the classic example is those same people that sang Hosanna to Jesus as he entered Jerusalem that day, just a few days later, were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. So the best thing to not take any notice of any of them, I've sort of a leadership quote that I've always known is don't let the compliments go to your heart but don't let the criticism go to your head you know listen that's what Jesus goes in and he knows what he's come to do he's come with a mission and according to this verse Jesus resurrection of Lazarus is consistently mentioned by the crowd because they suddenly see it and say is this the promised one is this the one who has come to deliver us is this the one who has come to throw the Romans out Prior to these events, Jesus had told people to not sort of mention that he was the Messiah. There were several times in John that he'd withdrawn himself to a mountain by himself because the people wanted to make him king by force. Even in John 2.4, in his first miracle, uh, when he turns the water into the wine, you know, he says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. In John chapter 7, the same thought, he said, my time is yet not here. But he says to the people, for you any time will do. But a keen hours were drawn to this day of Palm Sunday of Jesus entering Jerusalem. This is now the right time. This is now the time. This is the, the final journey, in a sense, of what Jesus has come to do. So there are four things that, help, that will help us today, just quickly, of who he comes. The first one is this, is he comes as saviour. The people shout, Hosanna. They were simply hailing Christ as king. Michael touched on it at the table. From Psalm 118, Hosanna actually means save now. And uh, proclaiming this as Jesus comes down through the, the, the city there, they're, they're proclaiming, Hosanna, save now. And he comes as a saviour. And they're waiting for an earthly king. But God has a bigger plan. God has something much bigger to fulfil. So we see here that the first thing he comes is as a saviour. Ultimately, no matter what we say about Christ Jesus, and you know, Easter can be about the little bunnies, and it can be about all the other stuff that goes on that's commercialised. The message of Easter, uh, the message of this time of the year, is that Jesus Christ died and rose again to be the saviour of the world. He says to take away your sin and my sin. That's the message of Easter. These Cadbury's chocolate eggs are a bonus. But they are not the reason. They are not the reason. He says this is the reason and as we as a church must always keep that front and centre because that's a message that the world needs to hear. It does not change just because people don't want to hear it. 
It does not change because it becomes unpopular. It's still the message the world needs to hear. Christ is our saviour. And so he comes here and that's the first thing he comes as. The second thing is this, is he comes in peace. Interesting that Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey. Every time you read something in scripture, there is always a reason. There is always something, nothing is put there accidentally. You know, nothing is put there. I remember to write essays at Bible college and all, some of you will have done this. I know you would have. You'd have, you'd have just waffled with words. You know, you'd have got 10 words to say what one word meant. Yeah, Scott says no, I know you did, eh? <laughs> because you knew you had to hit that 1800 word target. And so you just waffled with words. See, in the New Testament, there's no waffle with words. Every word has a purpose and a reason for it being written, for it being declared. And so here, Jesus comes and he rides on a donkey. But why? Why would he come on a donkey? I mean, in the whole Gospels, it tells us that Jesus either walked everywhere or he was in a boat. That was it. The only other time it tells us he took another mode of transport, and I accept the point that there wasn't a lot of modes of transport back then, was this. But he rode a donkey into Jerusalem. But he rode it for a reason. Because it was, it, it was common for important people to arrive anywhere on a donkey if they were coming in peace. Because the problem was they thought that Jesus was coming in a sense as a military Messiah. They thought he was coming to save the people and rescue the people from the Romans. And Jesus comes with this message. And sometimes it's verbal but sometimes it's visible. And the visibility is simply this. That as he comes and he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem he comes in peace. See the Romans would have done it opposite. Conquering heroes of the ancient world would have ridden in on these big high horses that would have come in all dressed to the nines because they wanted to let people know how important they are. He, Jesus comes as the saviour of the world. Riding on a donkey is a fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy. Almost as he rides down because Jesus sometimes doesn't have to say anything. He just has to be seen. Uh, and the writers all recognise, hey, this was written about in Zechariah. And it's being fulfilled here in the story in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfilment as well. There's no nothing accidental there, nothing coincidental here. Jesus has purposely selected a donkey, an animal associated with peaceful work. Uh, and so here the third thing we see is this, is that he comes in, in victory. And it tells us that the people cut the palm branches and wave them in the air. They laid them out on the ground before Jesus as he rode into the city. A little bit like when a football team wins a trophy. Manchester United fans, just, you'll have to use your imagination, all right? <laughs> that victory procession. May 1982, as a young boy of 10 years of age, Aston Villa won the European Cup by beating the mighty Bayern Munich 1-0. It says, and they came home and they did a victory procession down the city centre in Birmingham. And they held aloft the trophy as a victory to express what had happened. And I was in the crowd there as 10 years old in my villa shorts and my villa top and my villa socks with my villa scarf waving with all the other, there were 50,000 of us. No, you don't believe that, but there were 50. <laughs> waving away the victory procession. 
Imagine, because that's just a football team, this procession here as they lay out the palm branches, because the palm branches mean they're symbols of victory. They're celebrating Jesus' entry into the city. And they're looking at it and proclaiming as the promised one as the saviour. And I love the thought of the palm branches and the cloaks because it's an Old Testament thought that Jesus brings in in his story. But it also is something that will happen in the future as well. So Revelation 7 verse 9, it says this, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Why? Because they were speaking of the victory of Jesus Christ, the one who was going to be crucified, but the one in Revelation who was crucified and rose again. It speaks of the victory that is there within him. You see, that first Palm Sunday, Jesus wasn't the only person leading a procession into Jerusalem. There was another one coming from the opposite side of the city. History books tells us that Pontius Pilate was arriving by another gate. And he would have been the one where the people would have been there and they would have been proclaiming this great man coming on his big white horse and coming into the city and everybody would have been cheering and shouting because they believed he was the one with all the power. He was the one that was going to see all the victory. I tell you, the Romans came and went. Jesus Christ is still here. As he rides into Jerusalem that day, he comes on a donkey. He's not interested in what man thinks. He's interested in fulfilling the purpose that God has for him. What's the purpose? We know the victory through the cross. We know the victory through the cross. The palm branches represent the victory that we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but also in the last days as well when we shall be dressed in white, part of the huge crowds of people that are there. And we shall wave our palm branches and we shall declare Jesus Christ, the Lamb of the world who took away the sins of the world. And that's why we say that I'm running out of time and coming to my final point because he comes in fulfillment. Obviously, the disciples, as they look at this, they, they look back and a bit like the jigsaw, they piece all this together. And as they piece all this together, they realise that Jesus is actually who he says he was. And he's come to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And the proof of that is in the resurrection. You see, in the days leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, the, the, the disciples are in that situation whereby they sort of believe some of it. But they're not sure about some of the other stuff. They know that Jesus is special and, you know, and he's healed people and he, they've seen him raise Lazarus. But it's only when he rises from the dead on Easter Sunday that suddenly all the pieces of the jigsaw fit together. Do you know what I would love when I do a jigsaw? I would love to put all the pieces in a box, throw them up in the air, and as I land on the table, they would all be together. That's not going to happen. Often that's true of what we look at in scripture because we've got to make sure that we study everything about what's going on. All the pieces fit together. They simply do this to prove who Jesus was and what Jesus had come to do. And so the disciples pick up on this and we have the letters there to see that. We see the gospels for that. 
And as Jesus begins his journey, and we'll continue on with this tonight as we look at the, the punishment on the journey, I'm drawn to this, and this is so important, what Tommy Tenney said about Jesus' final journey. Jesus fed 5,000, but only 500 followed him after lunch. He had 12 disciples, but only three went further in the garden, and only one stood with him at the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller your crowd becomes. And I thought, what a fantastic quote when we talk about the journey to the cross. So not everybody can go that way. Not everybody can pay the price, the cost of going that way. The illustrated in the story here, Jesus did all these miracles. Well, my final thought is this before the worship team come and lead us in a final song. They sing as he comes in, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The main point of this ceremony of song is simply to welcome God's deliverer into the city. See, that name, and it wasn't just a name like we would know each other by our names. The name of Jesus carried an authority. It carried a rank. It actually, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it carries salvation. It carries the only one who can bring us to salvation. And when he sings of blessed be the name of the Lord, Billy Sunday said this, he says, in the Bible, there are 256 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, I suppose it was because he was infinitely beyond all that just one name could express. And I thought, what a great thought that is. 256 names to tell us the name of Jesus or represents the name of Jesus. Because one, one name covers it. And it's just a wee side thing from this journey that Jesus is on here in preparation. The name of Jesus carries with it victory and deliverance and healing and salvation. There's power in the name of Jesus. We don't just sing it because there are nice words. We sing it because there is a truth and there is a power behind it. It is the name of salvation by which only people can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. He's the name above all names. That wonderful, powerful name. As we go back to what we prayed for and ministered, I allowed God to minister to people earlier. I want to be reminded if there's 256 names that represent Jesus, one of them this morning is just for you. One of them is the name that you need to hear this morning. There's just one today that you could think, I wonder what he is to me today. My victor, I wonder what he is to me today. My overcomer, I wonder what name he is to me today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for his precious name. We do not speak the name as we would speak our own names. For his name comes with an authority and a rank and a power and a purpose and a hope. And so, Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. We come as we finish and we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you, Father, for all these individual pieces put together. They show the whole picture to prove who he is and what he has done. And Father, we're so thankful for that because who he is and what he's done has changed all of our lives. And we're thankful for that today. In your most holy and precious name. Amen. Church, if you don't like this song.
Let's just close in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you that you are here with us today, Father God. Lord, that you are present with us, Father God. Lord, that you draw near to us, God. And Lord, we just thank you for your name, the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that there is victory in your name, God. Lord, that we can find whatever we need in you, God. You are the great provider. You are the great I am. So Lord, we just thank you. Help us just to um, sink in, Father God. Help us to remember who we serve, God, that you are greater than it all. So Lord, we just thank you. Just take us to your homes in safety until we meet again in Jesus' name. Amen.